nice to see you all. Happy New Year. I've not said it to you already. Yes. Straight, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not set properly. This is too... Let me just organise myself. I'm, I'm all at the wrong things. No, I know. I, was, I, uh, I had a clumbersome morning this morning and trapped my thumb right in the bottom of that and it didn't half hurt. Poor me. Clumbersome. I think so. I mean, I, I do make them up occasionally, but yes, I was... I, well, uh, no, maybe you're right, actually. Clumby, cl uh, maybe, I've just, maybe I have just made that up. You're probably... Clumsy. No, clumbersome. You can be clumbersome, can't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, enough discussions of that word, right? <laughs> I, just, I, I like it when you're all in a rowdy mood. It's good fun when people interrupt. I enjoy that. It's always good. Anyway, so it's our first um, Sunday like this of the new year. So it's nice to have you all together. Some things don't change. You know, it's a new year, but it doesn't mean no jokes because that would be awful. And we, you know, we know that. I've just heard. The police have arrested the world tongue twister. They've arrested the world tongue twisting champion. He's going to be given a very tough sentence. It's good, though, isn't it? See, you like that? I just saw a ghost flat out. I've never seen a spirit level. I know. We have the. I mean, I didn't say we were going to get any better, did I? So, um, although John's John's having a break now after his um, Advent joke. I mean, that'd be all right. No, I haven't looked. Were you at it again today? No, oh, no. Okay. I, I I do think we're going to have to have a joke group and a prayer group because sometimes. <laughs> or you could joke about the prayers. No, no, let's not do that. Anyways. <laughs> okay. So, I'll pray about the joke. Yeah, I'll pray about the jokers. That that would be. Because they, they need a lot of help, believe me. Um, there's, there's, yes, anyway. So oft, often what would happen? Well, that's interesting. Stopped, isn't it? The, bu the, buzz, the buzzer stopped. Stopped, hasn't it? Is it? Can you hear it now? Can you hear a buzz now? Yeah? yeah it's, when the, it's when the computer's on. Anyway, sorry. I've just, we've just had an immediate answer to prayer. It's when the computer's on. No, it's when it's turned on in the PA. That's when it's buzzing. Ah, oh. come on, that's really. I'm really pleased by it. You're, you're like, what is going on about? But I'm really pleased. Anyway, the first Sunday of 2023, and often what happens, I, I know what will happen in lots of churches. Either last week, for those who, those those who were daft enough to do a service on New Year's Day, because you know we didn't, because so we could have family life and everything like that. Either that Sunday or this Sunday, what often will happen is the leader, usually the main leader, will get up and um, they will set out the grand new plans for 2023. You know, it'll be a vision Sunday or they'll um, go over what happened at the end of the last year or something like that. That's fairly normal in, um, in churches at the start of the year. But we're not that big on tradition, are we? We don't, we don't really do a lot of tradition because I'm, you know... I remember an, a, an old tutor of mine so had a wonderful sentence. He said, um, tradition can be institutionalised wisdom or it can be error in its old age. And I thought, oh, I like that. It can be error in its old age. Anyway, we have a vision. It's this. In case you don't know, it will, well, it's a blank screen apparently, but it's this. We encourage, skill and release bringers of the kingdom of God. Did you know that? Did you know that's the vision of the church? 
You all look surprised, so I guess not, but it's, <laughs> it's, on, the it's on the website. We have said it before. You know, we're not about building up a church. We're not necessarily about doing lots of church ministry stuff. We're not about big ministries. We're about big people who can then go and minister wherever they are, in their workplace, in their neighbourhoods, with their families, with their friends. That's, that's our vision. And we have a set of values to help us do that. And you all know all the values, don't you? Some of them. <laughs> Go on, give me any, any that you know. Yeah. Come on. Presence before plans. Nearly, nearly. Well done. People. Invitation before expectation. That's well done. Yeah. People before programs. People before programs. Yeah, put them up because otherwise it's just a laugh to get you all to work on them. <laughs> that we've all got before in. So we're not, we're not, we don't, church isn't unimportant, but kingdom's more important. Now, having some sort of program and knowing vaguely what's happening is important, but what's much more important is people. Not getting people to serve the program, you know, to have to be here at a certain time and all that sort of stuff. That's our vision, and uh, our values rather. Vision sets where you're going, values set how you do it. That's how we try and lead so that you don't, you know, we don't enforce things on people. We simply say, this is who we are and this is where we're going. If you want to be part of us, understand this and come with us. If you don't, that's fine. Go somewhere else. <laughs> but this is who we are and this is what we do. And I would hope that if you spent, you know, maybe like three months with us, you would see all these values worked out. You will see there are some Sundays where we plan something. Then we're like, do you know that that's not what we're going to do. You know, we, we've had Sundays where it's got to this point and we said, actually, we're not going to have a sermon because God's just saying stuff. So we're just going to wait on him because it's more important to let him rule than it is to follow a program. And, and the way that we try and do church so that we don't always do this, you know, we meet and we have food and we get to know each other and we have relationships because family is more important than formality. And we absolutely believe in presence, but some people visited the last couple of months and they're like you know you're not a massive group but there's a real sense of worship when you're together there's a real sense of worship and there's a real sense of presence and you don't how do you do that when you don't meet every sunday and i said well because we don't meet every sunday like this because we know each other where people trust each other and where people trust each other they will worship more freely with each other so you might look and say well you know the sundays where you just have breakfast that's not church yes it is that's gathering as family, knowing each other as family, and that binding us together is what means that when we choose to do some worship, there's a greater sense of freedom because people aren't looking, oh, look at him, oh, look at that. Well, I mean, you might be, but you shouldn't be <laughs> because we know each other and we trust each other. That's why we do what we do. So these things shape how we organise ourselves. That's the vision, that's the values. And that hasn't changed. You know, so unless the God suddenly turns up and, and gives one of us a whole different way of doing things, we're going to keep doing this. And I'm also, I get a little bit nervous when it's down to sort of, you know, the main leader or whatever, to sort of say, this is what the Lord has said for 2023. Because as we just demonstrated, we should all be doing that. Yeah. You know, I'm far more bothered about that. I'm far more bothered about keeping the words that we just shared and then pressing into those than me getting up or Liz getting up and saying, you know, the Lord has said, let's do this because we believe God speaks to all of us. 
So I'm not going to give you some grand new vision statement for 2023. We are who we are and we do what we do. But we are going to keep working on what we started to work on probably from about halfway through the year last year, which is talking about, we talked about our vision and our values. That's what we believe. But what about how we behave? How should we be as a people together so that when somebody meets somebody from Celebrate Church, they're like, oh, I can tell you're from Celebrate Church because you, you are like this. And I talked about being joyful, about being generous, about being thankful and ingraining those values into us because we want to represent Jesus, don't we? Yeah. That's, what, that's what we want to be about. Right. Not like some sales rep. Not like Les used to do or like I used to do, you know, turning up on the door with your bunch of cables as Les did or computer systems like I used to do, driving thousands of miles a year, which was always great fun. We want to represent Jesus. We want it to be that when people meet with us, they meet with him. That's the plan. Now, that's why we don't do lots of ministry things as a big church. The point is you are to be the ministry of the church where you are by representing Jesus, not just in what you believe, but in how you behave. So that when people look at you, they see him. That's, that's our call. That's what we want to be about. And I started to say something towards the end of last year. You know, if we, if we want to do, do what Jesus did, we need to do what Jesus did. That's right. In terms of looking at his life pattern, how he lived his life. And we started talking about saying, how do we do discipleship? And that discipleship can be an interesting word because people think, well, that's just that group of, you know, 12 hairy blokes sat around the table in that very bad, unrepresentative picture of Da Vinci or whatever. So let's use a different word. And we came up with the word apprentices because an apprentice is somebody who learns from a master. If Colin, Colin's on holiday this week, but if he was here, he would tell you how he was an apprentice um, carpenter. He, he did work with a master carpenter, watched how they did it, and then learned to do it like that. And he's learned to do it incredibly well. Just before he went away, he came and, um, he came and did some work in our house, and a door wasn't shutting. And he got his chisel, and he just like ran it straight down, and it was perfectly even. And the door shut afterwards. I was like, how do you do that? If I'd have done that, it would have been like a wave. It'd be absolutely hopeless. And he said, I did it because I was taught to do it. I, I, you know, I, I was an apprentice. And somebody taught me how to hold the chisel. So I, you know, I learned to do what they did by doing what they did. And that's our call. We are apprentices to him. The one who said life should look like this. Yeah. Are you tired? Worn out? Are you, yeah, thank you. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to make a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look around the world, and if I'm honest, quite a lot of the church, I don't see a lot of this. I see a lot of people who are frazzled, who are finding life a pressure rather than a joy. 
and for whom church, in all honesty, is another day of work. Not just for those who are up the front preaching or leading or whatever else, but, you know, because there's, there's kids' work to be done and there's this to be done and there's that to be organised and everything else. And, and then we have the joy of technology that's meant to free us and actually has just enslaved us to spend half our lives looking at shiny little devices in our hands. Liz and I went to see a film last night. It was a really, really good film, actually. If you we went to see a film called uh, A Man Called Otto. Brilliant. Really, really enjoyed it. But right before it, they played this video, basically asking people to shut up. <laughs> to, yeah. But really what it was saying was, put your phone away. And it did this thing about, you know, stories bind us together. And then it showed you this family who, you know, one of them was walking around with an iPad and one of them was watching a film on a phone. And, and one of them had a phone in a stand with headphones in. And the voice said, not like that. Not like that. When you want to do something, do something together. Turn things off. And they went, shh. Doesn't that sound good? Now imagine two hours of that. No interruption. No disturbance. Just you together watching this film. Put your phones away. Don't talk. Don't rustle your crisp packet. <laughs> Just be still and be together. That was an advert for a film. Well, it was an advert about how to behave in the cinema. And I thought, man... What has the, the state of, of how we live got to where they have to say, shh, put your phone away. Be quiet. Don't rattle your crisp packet. Just be here and be present. Because we have got so bad at that. And that's where we started talking about silence and solitude. Not a quiet time, not reading your Bible, actually sitting and being silent. And simply being with him, not doing something for him, not doing something to him, simply sitting and being quiet. And I actually think one of the things I want us to do in the new year is I want us to add, when we have testimony times, I want us to add into that stories of silence. When we actually start sharing, you know, I, I went into a room or I went here and I, and I just sat and this is what happened. Because that's how we'll encourage each other as we start sharing. And I've, I've already got some, but I, I'd, I'd love us to start thinking about that. This is what happened when I did that. Because learning to behave in a different way. And then I started to introduce a theme and said we're going to dig into this a little, a little bit more. And the theme was Sabbath. Sabbath. The practice of Sabbath. Or, if you like, the practice of stopping. Because that's what the word means. Sabbath means Shabbat in, in Hebrew. It's actually Shabbat. Um, it means to stop. Or, in some translations, it can mean to delight. Well, it's very hard to delight if you don't stop. So the two are connected. A day to be different. A day that is different. And I said, we're going to come and we're going to do some, some work in the Bible about the biblical roots of Sabbath. So that when we understand the principle, then we can start thinking about the practice. And whether there's some things that we need to ask ourselves about who we are and how we live 
that might mean we need to change some things. Because if we want to do what Jesus did, we need to do what Jesus did. So today, there's, I'm, I'm not going to give you much application, if any. I mean, you've probably had all the application already. I'm going to Bible nerd out on you. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy that. Yep. <laughs> Tough. I've got the mic and I'm doing it anyway. But we're going to do a lot of work in the Bible. And I'm, I'm not trying to do really any application today. I think that will come. Maybe not even next time, because I think the next time I speak, I want to do some more stuff on the biblical principles of Sabbath. And then I want to do a sermon that will be about, OK, so now now we know the principles. What should we start doing in practice? So we are going to be looking at the Bible together and you're going to be doing a bit of work with me. And we're going to be doing some word study stuff. And it, it might, you know, some of you will be like, oh, cool. I love it when Stuart does this. And some of you will be sat there thinking, oh, no, here we go nerdy man's at the front and he's going to be doing Greek and Hebrew with us and by the end of it I'm going to be thinking what on earth is he going on about tough luck I've got the bike so we get to do it <laughs> anyway so I want to start building a biblical framework yay I hear you say yay. nobody on this side don't you yawn at me babe I saw you <laughs> I'm sorry that wasn't fair wasn't it anyway don't stop me okay to build a biblical framework about the Sabbath, about the practice of having a day to stop and rest, the first thing we have to say, go on, ask a question. Uh, I think it should be. Yeah, it was. I was pressing record, so it should be doing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We cannot be prescriptive. Any teaching that you're going to do in the New Testament time, talking about Sabbath, cannot be, you must do this and you must do it on this day and you must not do that because... Paul writes very clearly in Romans and in Philippians and Colossians and Galatians and says, stop being so rule-based. You can't live like that. Yeah. You know, any of you who did that Romans series, with me, I said, that's the point. He gets to Romans 12 and he says, you know, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, for this is your offering to God. And then he spends the next two chapters spelling out all the ways that's meant to work. And one of the ways he specifically talks about is saying, don't lord it over each other by walking around saying, I take the Sabbath and you don't. I'm better than you. You're rubbish. He deliberately, no, don't live like that. And when he writes to the Galatians, he lays into them and says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you've gone back to rule taking when it's actually, it's not about rules. It's all about relationship. So we, it can't be, I, if any of us start getting up and saying, you know, you must do this and that we cannot do that about the Sabbath. And I've got to be honest and say, you know, there is a lot of New Testament, not a lot, there's some New Testament thinkers who would say the whole idea of, of Sabbath has been replaced because Jesus is our rest. I can see the point, but Jesus kept the Sabbath. Yeah. I mean, Jesus also kept Jewish food rules and we don't do that. You know, I like pork and I had bacon yesterday and I'm going to have it again. So there are some things we, we do and culturalize, if you like. But I, I do think the practice of resting, because the early church did it as well. So we've got to learn to live from relationships, not rules. Somebody thinking about the Sabbath said this. Dorothy Sayers once argued that the most legalistic Sabbath keepers has added, have added to thou shalt not work by saying and thou shalt not have any fun either. And it's certainly not meant to be like that. We can't be legalistic. That would be to be unbiblical. But the Bible is also clear that taking time to stop, to rest, to worship, 
to not labour, even though work is part of God's plan, work is, happens before the fall, work matters, but to have a day where we don't work, a day that is different, is, is biblical. I think when we look into the pattern of Scripture, we see it time and time again. And Jesus did it. Yes, we know he attacked the Pharisees when they made it all legalistic, but he didn't say, I'll stuff you, I'm not going to do it, because he did. He just said, no, I'm not going to do it like that, because how you're doing it is not what the Sabbath is about. And he said, the Son of Man is, is Lord of the Sabbath. Talking about himself. He's, he's more important than the Sabbath. But we've got to be realistic and say... The principle of a six-day working week with a day of rest, not recreation, those two are different, a day of rest, we'll come to that again at a different time, is baked in to the very fabric of creation. It's part of the plan. It's worked into the DNA of the cosmos, and actually I think it's worked into our DNA as well. So... We're not, well, I'm not going to do full groups this morning. I'm just going to get you in pairs. I want you to look at Genesis 1, verse 1, to Genesis 2, verse 3. Okay? You can glance down the first 19 verses, because you know I, I hope you would be fairly familiar with this. There was evening and there was morning the first day. I really want you to focus on verses 20 of chapter 1 through to verse 3 of chapter 2. Okay, so maybe in pairs, I mean, if you choose to read all of it, that's fine. If you just want to glance down, glance down the first 19 verses, but focus on 20 to 2 verse 3, just in pairs, have a, quick, have a read of it together. I'm not giving you questions. All, all I want to know is, you know, what, what strikes you as you read it? Okay, what, what strikes you? Have you had a chance to read it? If you're reading the, Sabbath the, the Sabbath being made holy. Good catch. Yeah. We'll come to that. Anything else strike anybody? I mean, it's familiar words, I would have thought, for, for most of us. But that's, that's all good. That's another, that's another really interesting point, actually. It's a key point that did a Genesis account. Fruitfulness. Yeah, that's a great thing to catch up on. Us. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. He prepared everything before we came, the animals and the fish and the birds and the thing else. Okay, anything else strike anybody? Order. Order, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the very flow of the words is order, isn't it? Each day has the same thing. And then God said, there was evening and there was morning, day five. And then God said, there was evening and there was morning, day six. Okay, so the whole, the whole thing has pattern and rhythm to it. Okay, anything, anything else strike anybody? Go on, Viv, that's... There's a lot of blessing going on. There is, but that's interesting. We'll come to that as well. Okay, go on. Anything else? Anybody strike anybody? He sanctified the, the seventh day. Okay. Yep. The evening and the morning are the wrong way round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but go on, Claire. He blesses the seventh day, absolutely, yeah. yeah. B biblically speaking, tomorrow starts tonight yeah. because that's the pattern. It was evening and then it was morning. We say tomorrow starts in the morning when we wake up. No, no, biblically, the, the, the day starts when the sun sets. So when it says early in the morning, they went to find the tomb, actually it would be for real the middle of the night because the morning starts when the sun goes down. 
I know, separate pan. Okay. You see, go on, collect. Um, I just wanted to ask a question. Of course you can. Ask whatever you'd like. Um, where it says, it might sound daft. No, no, ask. There are no daft questions, Colette. Then God, um, then he rested from all his work. Yeah. What do you think he did when he was resting? Well, that's one of the things we're going to look at. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a really daft question. <laughs> it's a great question. There are no daft questions. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, it. No, no, no. God doesn't have to recharge his batteries. No. He enjoyed a rest. He doesn't need a rest, but he can enjoy a rest. You see, th this passage. Once we stop arguing, go, go on, Evelyn. Go on. He laid down a pattern. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the sermon done because you've got all the points. So let's go. No, I want to dig in them a little bit more. See, once we stop treating this like a paleontologist DIY manual and stop arguing over, you know, did God really make the world in six days and did that pattern make sense? I think he did. I think the word day doesn't mean day. It means eon. It means period of time. It sets out a perfect pattern. That's the point. It, it's not aimed to be how the world is made. It's why was the world made? That's really the question it's trying to answer. And remember, there are truths which are historical truths. You know, Hitler lived. But then there are truths that are poetic truth, mystical truth, things that are true because they mean something and their very meaning is beyond our words and our description. Read Shakespeare if you're a geek like me. You see, it brings, it shows us, doesn't it, a God who brings order from chaos, who lives in pattern and in structure. It shows us a God who has no beginning. Because actually in verse 1 in the original language, it doesn't say in the beginning. It says in beginning. Or when God began to create the heavens and the earth. Because God has no beginnings and no ends. He has always been. It shows us that a God for whom the whole of creation is his temple. Because the, the structure is laid out to suggest that a temple is being built because that's what a lot of other creation accounts had. And then you put, the, the typical pattern would be you built a temple and then you put an idol, a statue, to represent the God in the temple. Well, what God does is he makes the world and then he puts image bearers in the middle of it, us. So the whole universe is God's. And as Deborah picked up on, it's good. All of its good, Hebraic understanding, is that the whole of creation is good. And that's really, really important because most of us are infected with Greek thinking that says matter is bad and spirit is good. No, there's no such understanding in Scripture. The world is good. It's made by God and it bears his imprint. Has it been flawed? Yes. But if I, get, if I got the... Um, the Mona Lisa, and smeared paint all over it, it's still the Mona Lisa. It's got paint on top of it, but it's still the Mona Lisa. It's still as good as it ever was underneath. Well, that's the same for creation. Is it marred by us? Yes, but it's good, because God declares that it's good. The Genesis passage gives us a picture of a God who is bigger and better than we can think, dream, or imagine. And actually, most theologians would say to you, 
that it's probably written about 500 years before Jesus is born, probably while the Jewish people are in exile. And they're surrounded by all these other stories that are trying to tell them how the world came to be. And Genesis is written to say, no, 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 that's not how it is. The God that we worship, Yahweh, the God of all gods, the Lord of all lords, this is how the world was. This is why the world was made for his glory. And actually it's written to have a go at lots of other creation myths that they would have been surrounded by. Because in other creation myths, the the sun and the moon are really important. If you were to look on day four, which I didn't get you to look at in detail, unless you've got a NAF translation, and some of them are NAF and have got this wrong, it never uses the word for sun and moon. It says the big light and the little light. Because the writers are saying, you lot, if you want, can go and worship the sun and the moon. They're not important. It's simply a big light and a little light that God turns on and turn off whenever he wants. So your gods are this big. My God is this big. You can think what you like, but let me tell you what really happens. So it's an attack. One theologian describes it as a polemic. A polemic is a planned and vitriolic attack on another argument. It's, it's when you plan to take somebody's argument out from underneath them by taking their legs out. But that's what the Genesis account is written to do. And there's all sorts of things in it. Because in the other accounts, what often happens is one supposed God kills another and then he makes the world out of the dead body of the person he's just killed. Eh? No, no, no. The, the Jewish people say, no, the world comes out of God's command. He doesn't need anything else. He doesn't need some other leftover matter. He makes matter by speaking. This is much more important. So there's all sorts of theology crammed in here that we often miss. It's meant to tell us something about God. A God who brings order from chaos. A God who believes in pattern and structure. A God who creates everything out of nothing by speaking. A God who makes everything good not flawed, good. And then there at the end, day seven. God has made everything. And then we're told twice, actually, he rests. In the Hebrew, once in two, verse two, my love, he yavish botted, which means he stopped. And then in two, verse three, he shavatted which we say Shabbat, Sabbath, says it twice. One means to not do anything else. One means to rest. Two connected words, both meaning he stopped. He stopped because he had finished. Not because he was worn out, because he'd finished. And he wanted to stop. To be looking at his creation and enjoying it. Now there's an idea. God likes what he has made. If the word Shabbat can also be mean to delight, then God delights in what he has made. God rested. He did things for six days and then he stopped. God rested. I'm too busy to take a day off. God rested. I've got to go and dash around and get all my jobs done. God rested. I need to go see my family. God rested. Not because he needed to, 
because he wanted to. We are made in his image. That's what the Genesis story tells us. He rested. He stopped. But there's more to it than that. Koshka. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I think he did. I think he's saying this, how, this is how life should be lived. This is the pattern. The universe is made this way. It's filled this way. And then he stops. Not because he has to, because he wants to. He doesn't need to rest. He's God. He has everything. You know, that's, that's one of the amazing things in here. God doesn't make something because he, he needs to. He makes us because he wants to. We are created out of an overflow of love. That's an amazing thought. Which means we're good. We come from love. What, what would you say is the pinnacle of God's creation? What's the high point? By looking through it. Us. Yeah? Why would you say that? Because we're in his image. Yeah, that's often what we would have been taught. Yeah. And if you... He made everything for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else? In all the other days, it's good. When we get made, it's very good. Yeah? It's fairly reasonable, people would say. However, actually... There's a little bit of textual interest that makes another point. If you were to look at Genesis 2, 2 to 3, in Hebrew, there are three sentences, each of seven words. Anybody know what the number seven means biblically? Thank you. Completion or perfection. Yeah? In the, the middle word of each of those three-day sentences in Genesis 2, 2 to 3, is the word for the seventh day. So in the middle of perfection is rest. In the middle of perfection is rest. We, I'm sorry, are not the pinnacle of God's creation. Sabbath is. That, that's how that's laid out to tell us. Yeah. Seven word, three sentences of seven words. Seven is the number for perfection and completion. And in the middle of those sentences is the word for the seventh day. We are incredibly valuable in creation. But the culmination, the pinnacle of creation is the day of rest. But that's made for us as well. Of course it's made for us. Oh well. No, no, it's not, not it's not taking place of us. Are you God's favourite? Am I God's favourite? Is Dan God's favourite? Is John God's favourite? You're human, you can't we can't all be your favourite, can we? But God can do it. Can God can God have us as incredibly important and have the Sabbath as incredibly important? Yes, he can. You're, you're thinking in terms of um, status. I'm talking in terms of standing. Linear. Yeah, linear in terms of what, what is the emphasis? What do, what's the emphasis that the writer wants us to gather? Yeah. That the seventh day is the icing on top of the cake. Yeah. Are, are we the cake? Yes, I think we are. Go on. Is he saying that the Sabbath is very good? <laughs> yes. Well, let, let, let's, let's look at that, shall we? 
Stuart. Yeah, go on. You see, I've, I thought this might stir you up. Go on. Is he saying that we're at our best? Ah, well. In the middle of I love the fact that you're all thinking and digging around. Okay. All right, let, let's let's come to this then. I, I was going to do this in a minute. What's the first thing that Adam and Eve get to do? <coughs> Nothing. They're made at the end of day six, aren't they? After all the creatures on the land are made, yes, and then we're made. What's the first thing they do? Nothing. Because <laughs> they go straight from the end of day six, there was morning, evening, and there was morning, into day seven. We are made... For rest. So, are we important? Absolutely. But what are we made for? We're made to rest. Who else is resting on the seventh day? He is. So we are made to rest in him. We are made to delight in him. That, that's what we're here for. What is the chief aim of man? The Westminster Confession said. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I thought I might rattle a few cages. <laughs> you see, I've been saying this a lot recently to people. If you want to get a really good understanding of scripture, understand scripture is not principally about you. It's principally about him. Thank you. It does actually put it into better perspective for me. It's about restoring us with him, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. It's saying this is our most natural place. This is, our most, this is how we were made. Yeah. Do, do you know that one of the things that unites all cultures around the world, a seven-day pattern? Yeah. Muslims do it, Friday. Buddhists do it, Jews do it, Christians do it. All the major faiths, the whole world does it. Because it's baked into creation. It's how we're meant to be. Go on, you're going to ask a question, Bessie? Go on. Yeah, go on, go on. Oh, now there's a thought. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, he did the work and it was good and he rested. And, and there's something prophetic about that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He's supposed, supposed to be in a place of rest and not resting in the way that, that God had said we should rest. Does that then affect the work, the way that we work, or, or the, the quality of the work that we're able to produce? Um, I'm, I'm sure it does purely practically, theologically, I, I, I would say that what we do can never be perfect because we're not perfect and, and he is, and that's not what it's about anyway. I think what the, the pattern does, it impacts us and makes us less than we should be, and that matters to him. I, I'm not sure the quality of our work is, is the main aim. The point is it's bad for us. And he wants us to be all that we can because we're meant to be delighting in him. And it's hard to, 
I mean, we are recording. It's hard to delight in something when you're knackered. I'm sorry to be blunt, but it but it is, isn't it? When when you when you're exhausted, it's hard to it's hard to delight in anything. You know, when when I've had a, look, before now, I've got another one now, but in November I had a chest infection and I I hadn't slept for for a variety of reasons, and it was hard to find joy in anything. So I used to use this picture of um, you know when the kids were young, I would um, say, oh, "Who wants to come and help me wash the car?" And they would come and help me wash the car. By the end of it, it was often dirtier than when we started out. The, the point, the point I, I didn't want them to wash the car. I wanted them to do something with me. I don't need them to wash the car. The best way for me to wash the car is to do it by myself. Because I'll do it right. God doesn't need us. He wants us. He wants our company. He wants our time. He wants us at our best. Well, having a period of rest is the point of that. Yeah. I said to you, it's, it's baked into the pattern and it's uniformly done. Apart from in 1793, France, and there's so many comments I could make, but I'm not going to do, I'm going to be good. In an effort to produce, improve human productivity, de-Christianized the calendar by modifying the seven-day week to a 10-day week. New calendars were invented, new clocks were invented to reflect the revised week. Suicide rates skyrocketed, people burned out, and production decreased. The seven-day pattern is how we are meant to live. It's baked into the DNA of the universe. Look again at Genesis 2 verse 3. What does God do on the seventh day? Or rather, what does he do to it? You've already picked up on this once, but just to look again. He blessed it. What are the two other things that he blesses? Go look at Genesis 1.22 and Genesis 1.28. Yep, he does. So he blesses the fifth day, he blesses the sixth day, and he blesses the seventh day. He doesn't bless the first, the second, the third, and the fourth. He says they're good, but he doesn't bless them. Okay? What's the connection between the fifth day and the sixth day? He says, he says something to, the, to creation on the fifth day and the sixth day. I'm sorry? They both bear fruit. Absolutely. Yeah. He says to them, be fruitful and increase. He says it to all the stuff in the sea and all the stuff in the sky. And then he says it to all the stuff on the land, including us. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and increase. God blesses life that brings forth life. So he blesses the fifth day, he blesses the sixth day, and he blesses the seventh day, because the seventh day brings forth life. Because we get life when we rest. Resting produces and multiplies. It regenerates us. You've already picked up on it. What's the only day 
that God says is holy and that he sanctifies? The seventh day. Yeah. Well, the, yes, technically the Sabbath is still a Saturday. It is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because the early church made it about the day of the Lord, okay. which is Sunday. Okay. Well, I'll probably talk about that the next time. Okay. I mean, that, that's what I'm saying is about I, I, you can't get to the sort of, you know, you must do it on a Saturday, you must do it on a Sunday. What you've got to look for is say, in seven days, you should have a day of rest. And we're going to have to do some work on this. And so what... Where does a day of recreation come then? Because lots of us do five days of work. But if you're honest, actually, for lots of people the other day, you do the washing, you do the shopping, you run around like a lunatic and try and see people, and actually that's a day of work. So what can make a day of rest a real day of rest? I think that's what we're going to have to do some work on together, about how, how do we start to apply this. I'm going to work on principles now. You've, uh, yeah, your Sabbath might be Monday. Most, for most church leaders, you, you can't take su Sunday as a Sabbath because you work. I don't know yet. I'm, to be honest, I'm just going to work some of that stuff out. If I'm on, I, I ponder whether when we do something, like next week, when we're just going to meet together and have food, it, to me that has more of a Sabbathy feel to it because I think there's something in Sabbath about feasting and about delighting in each other and him. I'm, I'm, I struggle to see, there, I, don't, I don't know yet, I'm still trying to think that out. And that's why I can't be prescriptive. I don't want to start saying, you know, Sunday is a Sabbath, because it, it will be for some people, but it won't be for others. I'm not, I'm not totally set on the, you know, so yesterday, Bessie was with us yesterday afternoon, and we, we were having a rest day, and I sat and watched rugby, because rugby, you know, it's, it, it's, it, I don't worship it, but I enjoy it, and it relaxes me. So is that part of rest? But then I'm left with the, yeah, but if I do something on my rest day that requires something else, somebody else to work, how does that? <laughs> so I don't know yet. I'm just going to think some of that out. I think there are, if, you, if you do something like that, then we can get them together to eat food. Somebody's got to prepare that food. They have, they have. But then preparing that food can be an act of worship. Yeah. And enjoying it together can be an act of worship. You know, that's what I'm saying is you can't, you can't get, because that's the whole, you know. The, the, I think it's a mindset. I think there are some practices that we can learn about slowing down. About, I said something last time about not wanting, not working and not worrying. I think some, getting some of those points and working those into, which might mean, you know, on your day of rest, a visit to Ikea is not really an option. But shop, but shopping is recreation in our world. No, it's not. And there's a difference between. I, I don't. I don't know yet. That's why, and I, I can't. We can't be prescriptive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that will work for you. But that's why I'm saying you. Your Sabbath might be a Sunday. My, mine won't be. You know, we get up early, the, yeah. one of the two earliest days that we get up in the week is, is, a, is a Sunday. Yeah. But I, I think there are, you know, so there might be other things that we need to say, well, okay, well, what makes it different for you? Actually stopping, sitting, looking out of a window, reading a book, or whatever it is that relaxes you. 
I think we need to keep working on that. And it's got to include some element of delight because that's part of the Sabbath yes, term. Because ideally, I would like to wake up and not have to get up and get ready and just like, you know, get a coffee and then just sit and relax yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and do that. Well, maybe that's something you have to think about and say, okay, well, actually, my Sabbath will be from when I get home from church on a Sunday afternoon, and actually Monday, I'm not going to start my work until twelve o'clock, and I'm going to do twelve till twelve till twelve. Yeah. There, are, there are ways that we can. I don't want to get. I'm getting dragged out. I'm trying to pull myself back and say, let's talk. But this is the idea: get you thinking. Yeah. If this matters, then how can we make it work? Because frankly, the church has not made it work. And we haven't talked enough about it. In the same way that we haven't talked about silence and solitude. That's why we're trying to do these things about, are there some more practices, some more ways about how we live that we need to be thinking about? Because if we want to go deeper with Jesus and do what Jesus did, we need to do what Jesus did. I said to you before Christmas, attention is the beginning of adoration. The point of resting is so that you can give attention. We were made to be called into relationship. We're made at the end of day six. The first thing we do is be with him on a day of rest because attention is the beginning of adoration. No, it's uh, Mother Teresa. I think it was Mother Teresa. I, I wanted to... Raise questions. Get you thinking about it. Go on, Colette. I'll ask you a question. Go on. If I can be clear. Don't worry. So, rest mm -hmm. brings attention. Brings Gives the opportunity for attention. Adoration. Yeah. My point was that what's, where's God happiest? Is it when we're rested in him or delighting in him? Or is it the rest that brings the adoration, that brings the delight? You know, like that connection? Yes. Where you're exactly there with him and you're just full of joy. Yes. Yes to all of that. So that's why the, the what was in the middle of perfection, the rest. It's the seventh day. So in the middle of the rest is the delight. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when you're really... Yeah. yeah. I think, <laughs> yes. Yes. But how we're going to work that out might be different for different people. Yep. For a long, long time, but what had started happening was different things had become recreation. Yes. And then I started feeling a, a, a gap. Yeah. And it's, it's really hard. Yeah. And it, but then it's, then it's getting back into that place. It is. Of and and these great gadgets that were meant to release us from labour actually draw our attention. And they make us, you know, it, it's, it's so easy, isn't it? You know. I want to read a book on my day of rest. Oh, I'll order it on Amazon. Oh, look what else is on offer on Amazon. Where attention is the beginning of adoration. It's got your attention. What are you adoring? Well, I, I, for me, yesterday, we, we were trying to do some of this stuff. So I put my phone in the desk and I left it there. Which freaked me out slightly because when we got to the cinema, I, I, I was like, oh no, oh no, it's all right, I printed off the ticket because the ticket's on my phone. And then we were trying to pay at the car park and you couldn't pay with cash. You had to pay with an app. Well, I haven't got my phone with me. Ah! This world is wired to make us be driven by these devices. So I'd, I'd, I'll tell you one thing that I do think a day of rest should include, not having these. 
I think possibly, you know, just watching a TV where you relax with it is one thing, but having something that is specifically designed with its colours and its shininess to draw you into it, if attention is the beginning of adoration, it's getting your attention. Well, don't have it then. Which is a real... I mean, I'm a super geek. I, Sorry? Yeah. Well, I've, I've, now I've, I've, let my, you know, I've got a smartwatch so that I can see all my notifications. Mr. Driven. I've set it now so that there's no notifications on a Saturday. I've done the same on my phone. I'm not giving tech advice now. Come on. Okay. Let, come on, let's just let's dig, let's rest on this most important thing. The creation pattern is laid out to make a point. We matter. We are incredibly important, but we are made to be with him in a day of rest and delight. That's the first thing they get to do. We are not human doings. We are human beings. It is baked into the pattern of the universe to have a regular day of rest. I'll just finish with this quote from, this isn't my quote either, Wendy. This is, I think it's a guy called H.H. H. Farmer. He once said, if you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. The grain of the universe is a day of rest. Splinters hurt, don't they? I, I see a world that hurts. I see plenty of people in the church that hurt. It's not the only reason, but I wonder whether one of the reasons is because we are going against the grain of the universe. And when you do, you get splinters. Sabbath matters. We can't be prescriptive. We can't tell you when you should do it or how you should do it. We can make some suggestions and we'll do that. But we cannot ignore this chapter of the Bible that is written to tell us a lot about him and how we're meant to connect to him. You will be doing, those of you who come to Life Group, you'll be doing this again in, in, the, in the book because it's one of the practices from, from John Mark Comer's book. But I've been reading a lot of other stuff as well. It's a challenge. It's going to need. It's, it's going to mean unthinking some things, unlearning some things, and learning some different things. It is. It is. But that, but then we we. That's my point. Really, is when you see the world that doesn't do it. Look at, look what is happening. You know, all you crisis in mental health. A, a reduction in productivity, a reduction in people's satisfaction. I, to me, those are opportunities. I'm, I'm not put somebody who panics at that. I'm like, no, the, you know, people have to know how dark it is to understand the lights. And some of that is what's going on. And that's good news, actually. It's good news. People are saying, this isn't working. How we're doing things is not working. So where is the answer? Not in, not in an iPad. Scripture has the answer. It's Jesus but it's also what he did and how he lived. We want to be people who represent Jesus. To do what Jesus did, you need to do what Jesus did. Jesus took a Sabbath. And there's all, you know, there's all sorts of questions in that because he healed people and he, di he did stuff, but he rested. 
So let I said to you, I'm going to raise lots of questions. And I can feel them in the room. And like, oh, but what about, and how do I? We're going to try and work on it together and make suggestions. And each of us will individually work out what that means. And then we'll do what I said right at the start. We'll have some stories of Sabbath. Stories, so we, I want to do testimonies, which includes stories of silence and stories of Sabbath. Because when somebody gets up and says, well, I did it like this, two or three other people might think, oh, I hadn't thought of that. I'm, I'm going to do that. If that works for you, it might, because you, you having to work it out when work matters and you've got to pay the bills and everything else, if you work some of that out, the rest of us might learn something from that. I've actually been trying to work it out since I first got saved. Well, let's... I, mean, I used to work on a Sunday, I used to go to the markets, and yeah. in my religious mindset of that time, I was yeah, yeah. like, right, I can't work on a Sunday because, you know, yeah, yeah. So I packed, I packed in the, the car boot stuff that I was doing. Yeah, yeah. I never, ever recognised or, or realised the loss. There were no loss. Yeah, yeah. God really just blessed me. Yeah. But then, obviously, as you grow in Christianity and everything, I realise it's not, not working on yeah, Sunday. Yeah. That's, it's yeah. so not that. Yeah. And I am trying hard to, to, to get that. But obviously, with the book and everything, and just like... Yeah. But, but it is difficult. It is. It is it, a challenge. Th that's why I don't think I've got all the answers. And I think we might have to go over this a few times and we're going to have some discussion and some debate. And, you know, and how do you fit it in when, when you know, not all of you, Dan, no, but Dan only gets one weekend off. You don't, you don't mind me saying this, sorry. Um, he only gets one weekend off in three because he's on a structure, he's on a pattern. How, how what does he do? You know, and he, he gets chooses off, but we meet on a Wednesday for life group. Well, we might have to change some of that then. We might have to do, you know, could we do a family meal together on a Tuesday evening? And, ju and just not every Tuesday, because yeah. <laughs> but could I'm just Liz and I have been like, what, how do we make this work? You know, I think on on some gather days when we gather it, we might just do the we're just we're gonna have food, and then some people are gonna go into a room and, and read, some people are gonna fall asleep, some people are gonna watch rugby, you know, or some people are gonna go home and do. It. I don't. I want to work out the principles. I think things that bring life, things that bring delight, things that draw your attention to him and don't draw attention away from him. I, I think there's some keys in there. But how that will work, you know, I mean, Liz and I are different. Liz gets great delight and joy by being at the beach. For me, I want to be up a hill. So, you know, we go... Yes, well, lovely. Hey, maybe... But maybe, both. Maybe, maybe, but, well, look, here's a little idea. Maybe we should do that together sometime. Maybe we'll say, actually, no, we're going to go for a walk. And some of, some of us won't be able to walk. We'll sit in the pub. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Revel <laughs> up. We might go for a walk along a, a beach together. Or you might, or it might not be all of us. You might, Deborah, say, actually, my Sabbath, I'm going to go to the beach. I'm, I'm really nervous because, you know, next week we're going to preach. There's going to be nobody here because you're all going to washed off to the beach. Well, I'm Sabbathing, Stuart. Oh, thanks very much. Um, that's why I think there's a difference between a, a day of worship and a day. I, that's some of the stuff we're going to have to work out. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm really pleased by this because it seems to me something has been stirred up. Because there's lots of like, oh, blimey. Oh, how will I? Well, I don't know. But let's at least agree we need to do something. 
We might need to do a range of things, and those things might be different for different people. But I want us to be, we want us to be, we want to be the people who live like Jesus, who look like Jesus, who love like Jesus. Yeah. It's not working. No, no. No. Yeah. No. I mean, there's all sorts of questions that, you know, the church has become about product. It's, it's become a production, which is about productivity. <laughs> it's, it's become about a show when it should be about family. Um, it's become about somebody standing at the front and telling you things rather than us together working stuff out. That I've, you know, I mean, don't get me started on my questions about what's happened to the church and where there's, you know, there's got to be a place for corporate worship. There's something happens then. Come to you in a minute, Julie. Um, but anyway, we have been poor on discipleship and good on performance. Is that really the way? I'm, ah. But actually, I, I think a lot of people are asking that. I think a lot of people in lots of leadership positions are saying, you know, we, we, do, we, do, we do this grand production on a Sunday. We're a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's loads, loads of Emma Stark, loads of the prophetic voices are saying, "What is going on here?" You know, great, we've got more people who are all doing it badly. <laughs> That's not—it's not working. Let Let's think about this. Well, it's got, it's got to be, you know, it's what we, we could kind of say, what what can we do that helps, doesn't hinder? You know, and that that's a challenge because we want to say to you, it's invitation beyond expectation. But, you know, when Liz and, are, Liz and I are here by ourselves on our Todd plugging everything in at 10 o'clock, you know, it's hard for us to, be, to not be thinking, I wish somebody else would get their backside here and help me drop that case. Yeah, especially when Liz is leaving. I'm not, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not getting, I'm simply saying it's so easy to swap back into that mindset. Because some things, are, even to do this, and we try and do it in a relaxed way, it requires work. It's why, which is why we don't do this every week, so that sometimes we can all just chill out together. But, it, you know, there's so much to, to practice on here and try and... Because the church has not been very good at it. I think we've been trying to make some steps, but we're going to have to make some more. Okay. It feels like we could go on all morning for this, and people would be like, "My dinner's burning." And suddenly, my chips are in the oven for. for so, yeah, go on, Julie. Yeah. Yeah. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Yeah, John thirteen thirty three. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So I haven't got some great sort of activation. You know, often at the end we, we would do ministry time or whatever else. Because I've not given you... What I've given you is thoughts. So let's just stand. Yeah, okay. Lord, you, you sanctified and blessed only the seventh day. You blessed other days, but you sanctified and blessed only the seventh day. 
So we pray that what we've heard, what we've thought, what we've experienced and what we continue to think and try and work out will be sanctified to you, by you and for you and blessed by you. So take all these thoughts, all these stirrings, all these questions and turn us into a people who represent you better than we ever have done before because we keep learning to live like you and that it's not necessarily an easy place to stop because there are still questions and still things but Lord we, we bring you into the midst of all of that and say keep helping us keep teaching us keep making us yours in Jesus name Amen, Amen. Cool. If you want to go deeper with some of this, we'll be doing some more stuff on other Sundays. Uh, and then Life Group is starting to work through the, the one of the books that sparked some of this stuff off. Um, you know, and if you're finding this helpful and you're like, actually, this is stoic, well, why don't you start some conversation with some of the people around you? Yeah. 